You're listening to Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. I'm your host, Celeste A. Frazier. It's my joy to be with you today as our topic is the indivisible whole, knowing that we are all one because we come from one and we are taking care of each other in any and every way that we can. Today's guest is Reverend Alex Escudero, and her life has certainly been a testament to that up until now, and I'm sure will continue to be. We'll look at things like immigration rights, diversity, inclusion, Spanish-speaking countries, Spanish-speaking people, and spirituality, traditional, and making other choices. It's going to be rich, as always, at Mystic Magic. Stay tuned. Hey there, Mystic Magic Podcasters. Are we going to have a wonderful time today? Today, our show is with Reverend Alex Escudero, one of my favorite people on the planet. She is a sweetheart. She has worked for the United Nations. She's worked for all kinds of wonderful nonprofit organizations She's traveled internationally. She's worked with immigrant rights. She's been a support coordinator for the Diversity Commission for the Centers for Spiritual Living. She's the founder of the Center for Spiritual Living in Washington, D.C. She is an amazing person, and I am so pleased that we are being with her today. We're going to be talking about the, the, the undivisible whole. And all of that means that we're all one, but that we have so many interesting flavors to us. And so we get to explore how that shows up. Welcome, Reverend Alex. Gracias, Reverenda Celeste. Thank you so much, Reverend Celeste. Thank you for adding the Spanish. I was going to ask you to later, but you got right to it. (laughs) So what in your spirit prompted you to serve the... United Nations and the Organization of American States. Well, actually, as I was growing up, my dad was working for the Organization of American States. Um, my mom is from South America. My dad's from the United States. I was, I was born in Europe <laughs> while, while he was working there. Um, mm. And uh, just growing up, I, I really was curious about the whole world. I had a wonderful grandmother who was quite the maverick when it came to world travel. And and she always said to me, you know, it's really important to be a citizen of the world. You don't have to say you're a citizen of here or there. You are a citizen of the world. And and she was someone who who was really generous and and led by example. And she gave me a subscription to National Geographic from a very young age. And I just I just grew up wanting to know more about the world and and wanting to serve. So There was something interesting about your journey. I think you referenced the Buddha in some way. What is that that (laughs) reference that you have that parallel with the Buddha? Yes, thank you so much. I I actually, you know, I love the story of the Buddha, how he, his parents loved him so much and they didn't want him to suffer. They didn't want him to be exposed to uh, suffering in the world. And he grew up quite sheltered. And, And I actually think that I grew up a bit sheltered. And when I, when I, the more I learned, I, I, I got involved in human rights uh, um, in, 
in graduate school. I went to graduate school here in Washington, DC. I went to Johns Hopkins University. And, and actually I'd already spent a lot of time in South America in Colombia and I'd seen abject poverty. But, but in graduate school, I really, I, I studied the work of Amnesty International and I, and I became deeply concerned about what was going on, on in terms of human rights in the world. And, and quite frankly, the way that governments Inter the United States government in particular, being, being a citizen of, this, of the United States, concerned about what we were doing and not doing in other countries. And so my focus was very much on, on human rights. Wonderful. That makes sense because you're such a caring person. <laughs> now, what is CASA of Maryland and what is it about the work that they do with immigrant rights that helps you to fulfill your soul's quest? That was a while ago. I, I was the chief operating officer at an immigrant rights group here um, on the East Coast in the state of Maryland. And it's a very large group that got started when all the trouble was happening between the United States and Central America in the 80s. And just, it made that connected the dots about why so many people were coming up from Central America. And still to this day, so many people are coming up from Central America, but but the the organization actually, although it was founded because of what was happening in Central America, ended up serving uh, immigrants from all over the world, and even ex-offenders, people who are ex-offenders in the United States, often have a terrible time getting back into the job market or finding housing. And so, Casa of Maryland is a group that that serves anyone who needs a little bit of extra support in terms of so many different services and it's, it's actually expanded to uh, Pennsylvania and Delaware. <laughs> your, your soul's quest in, 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 in that whole, I could even feel the pain when you were talking about the people in Central America, which got me wondering, well, what, what is it that you thought that you could do? In a very humble way, I, I didn't think that I could solve all of the world's problems, but I felt like I couldn't sit still and not do anything. So I, I, you know, do have this wonderful gift of feeling totally comfortable in both languages. And even if I was just helping people that didn't speak English to be understood, I felt like that was something that I could do. And, and I ended up doing a lot more. Um, it's a very large organization. And, and, so I was doing a little bit of everything as the chief operating officer. And I was actually, my office was a trailer and it was a trailer in a parking lot. And there were just at any given time, there were dozens of day laborers around the trailer. One of them even caught a feral kitten and gave it to me. <laughs> so it was, it was a little bit like doing the Peace Corps, but inside the United States, because I was being exposed to cultures from all over the world. And, and seeing a side of the United States that I actually had not seen a lot of um, up until that point. Well, why is it that you chose to make Washington DC your place to, to live and work? I love Washington DC. Washington DC is an amazing city. And, and I, I even get defensive when people complain about Washington. <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's curious because I've, I've actually lived in Africa. I've lived in Angola. I've lived in South America. I lived in a country called Suriname that a lot of people haven't heard of. And I was often, you know, getting to see 
what the, what the United States and what Washington DC looked like to people from a very different culture and, and sometimes got a little bit defensive having, having, I came here when I was very young. Um, I was, I was born in Europe, but uh, I came over here on a boat <laughs> and uh, my dad had a job in Washington DC and it's where the headquarters was for the Organization of American States. And just so didn't come uh, on one of those boats like from Haiti, one of those makeshift boats. You came <laughs> on a real boat. Apparently, the journey took three weeks. It was actually a big wow. Navy uh, freighter. <laughs> My dad also worked for the Navy, and uh, we actually ended up coming over on this freighter. Um, anyway, uh, just loved Washington, loved growing up in Washington, D.C. So much diversity here and representatives from all over the world. And it's still, it's not a it's not considered one of the biggest cities in the world by, by any stretch of the imagination. There's, there's enough green spaces um, here in Washington, D.C. That, that I've always felt at home here. You came the same year that Dr. King gave his I Have a Dream speech at the Lincoln Memorial. I'm dating myself by, by confessing that, but I, but I, I of course, I, I don't remember the speech. I was, I was a baby. <laughs> <laughs> but you have um, you have some kind of a tender feeling around the King Memorial. I do, I do, um, and I, I actually do remember much more vividly the um, 1968. Not, 1968 was such a difficult time all over the world, but but especially well here in Washington D.C. There were there were a lot of riots, and and I was still a young child, and I, I remember feeling very fearful um, because I was experiencing some of the anger um, that was happening here in Washington, DC. And I was so happy when the memorial to Dr. King was built. Um, it's, it's a beautiful place. It's my favorite place in Washington, DC because there is a, an energy there. there. There's so many war memorials here and it's important to, to remember and honor uh, people who have died in war. And, and yet the, the King Monument and the King Memorial, though it's a, bit, it's a park, um, it's just such a great place to hang out and, and, I agree. and be. Yes, totally. So listen, you have been supporting the Diversity Commission. You did that for several years. What made you want to support and be a part of the Diversity Commission for the Centers for Spiritual Living? Well, the, the vision for Centers for Spiritual Living is a world that works for everyone. And in actuality, of course, the world is not working for everyone. So I saw when I was invited to join the uh, Diversity Inclusion Commission, I was just so happy to bring, you know, my piece um, that, that I could help, I could help celebrate diversity and build inclusivity because you know we all know that diversity is a fact of life but but inclusion is is the next step to make sure that in our movement uh there there are people that represent all walks of life and and in all cultures you know you spend a lot of time trying to um, support uh, Latinx people. I mean, you're, you're heading up the, the Spanish ministries all over the world and they're flourishing. Um, what, what is the teaching doing for our Latinx people and what more can this particular organization do to support Latinx people's 
Thank you for asking that question. And, and I'm so, this is really how you and I met, I think is through the diversity inclusion work. And I've, I've always admired the great passion that you have for diversity inclusion work. So, so thank you for all that you've done. Okay. I, um, I've always thought that people just don't realize that the United States is the second Spanish speaking country in the world. You know, after Mexico, we have the most Spanish speaking people. We have 37 million people in the United States who, who speak Spanish. And, and Spanish is actually the, the fourth language in the world. Um, 527 million people worldwide speak Spanish. And I just, I just felt like, you know, that's, that's how I could help. You know, our diversity inclusion commission hadn't really been focusing up until that point on reaching uh, Latinx people. And so it was really my joy to get to know the groups that, that have existed for years in Peru, Mexico, and Argentina, and really kind of try to tie North and South together. And I, I witnessed you doing some events for um, immigrants in this country who, who uh, could be interested in, in new thought and just, just kind of, it just seemed to make sense to me to help to try to help tie North and South together so that because we believe in, you know, we're all one, that, that we don't want to be silos. We want to be, um, or we don't want to be reinventing the wheel. You know, if someone's doing something great in one place, if we can communicate, uh, we can just aprovechar, you know, take advantage of the best work that's being done everywhere. On that point, you know, the, the, the ministries, that are coming out of our, our Spanish-speaking countries are really grasping this teaching on a deeper level. How would you say that that has come about culturally? Is there something intrinsic that just resonates? What is it? Well, most people know that, that most um, Spanish-speaking cultures have a very strong influence from the Catholic Church. Yes. And and within these different countries, there's been pushback uh, in terms of a lot of the teachings of the Catholic Church. You know, as you and I, as New Thought ministers, we respect anyone if if they want, if they choose to believe in in their separate religion. But we also welcome people to simply develop that respect for all religions and and no religion, you know, really as a philosophy. And so there have been so many people in Latin America who feel very deeply spiritual, but, but want a new teaching. And, and so it's been really grassroots. It hasn't been really, you know, always the United States, uh, people from the United States uh, going and being missionaries. It's been more groups or individuals within Latin America who have felt this yearning for these universal principles who have found uh, new thought uh, philosophies and, and just come together as communities and then come together with people in other parts of the world who are already doing this great work. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, you are the founding minister of the CSL in Washington, D.C. What made you want to start a center in D.C.? Well, I think I shared with you that I found um, science of mind, this, this new, new thought philosophy at a, at a low point in my life. 
I was struggling. I was um, a single mom. I had a one-year-old child and I was, I was working full time and I, I felt like I didn't really, I felt guilty because I didn't have a lot of energy to play with my child. It was really, you know, all I could do to make sure that she was healthy, yeah. you know, and, <laughs> you know, taken care of uh, physically. And, and, and so I, and I felt like, you know, everything I was like half of what I was earning was going to pay for her caretakers. And, and then I, I was feeling a little bit, well, I quite frankly, quite, quite frankly, I was feeling like a victim and I had, I had been married to someone who drank a lot and, and I had found Al-Anon. So, so my first step was, was uh, a 12 step program. I found Al-Anon and, and I, um, while I was in Al-Anon, I, I picked up a book by Louise Hay and, and just really uh, got so much from that book. And then I, I wrote a letter to her and she wrote me back and she connected me with a center that was about 30, 40 miles from my home. It was in another state. And, and so I started taking classes. I started letting go with a victim mentality. Mm-hmm. And then as I took more and more classes and became what's called a, a practitioner, a licensed spiritual coach. I was just, you know, wondering why there wasn't a center in Washington, DC. And so uh, because I wanted to keep learning, I went to ministerial school, got that master's degree in consciousness studies. And as soon as I could, in 2009, I filed the paperwork, began the process to create the center in Washington, DC. Well, I'm so glad you did because we need your high vibrations in our <laughs> capital. <clears throat> now, you considered yourself what before you came into this teaching in terms of a religion or spirituality or if anything? Well, I, I followed a little bit. I, you know, my mom was a pioneer in her own country. She was a feminist and and uh kind of escaped from from a very orthodox catholic catholic family and yet still maintained she grew up uh catholic and and yet when she had her children and we were living here in the united states she decided to take us to the unitarian church and and so i grew up um learning about many different religions through the unitarian church and it's so interesting because the actual church building where I went is now the home for a, a Buddhist meditation group run by Tara Brock, mm. who's, who's a wonderful Buddhist teacher. Yeah. Well, next to last question, and this is about oneness. Can you share with us a moment where you truly realized oneness on a personal basis, not just on a theoretical basis? Mm. Well, during this crisis this apparent well the pandemic that we're all experiencing right now i've kind of compelled myself to go for a walk every day whether i want to or not because i i was getting i was going to yoga every day before the the crisis started before everything was closed down and now i don't think i'm speaking for well a lot of us have had challenges (laughs) keeping up with with uh, all the physical activity perhaps that we were doing before and and so I go for a walk and I feel so nurtured by the trees or if it's nighttime by the stars 
and I and I feel that connection to God, I, to to the universe, to the infinite. I just feel renewed and restored, and the 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 in, the idea of infinite space and infinite infinite time comforts me. So I would say whenever I can connect with nature in that way, I feel that confidence and that, that bliss, you know, it's, it's like microseconds of my, my imagination of what it is to be enlightened. (laughs) Well, you are very enlightened (laughs) energy whenever I'm around you. Is there something you'd like to share with our listeners about Centers for Spiritual Living DC, the services, the classes, or any other events that our Latinx listeners, or anyone for that matter, could benefit from experiencing? Yes, a couple of things. I, I believe that if, if, well, I did get a stipend from the government, and I believe in prosperity, and I believe in generosity. And usually, if I if I donate money, I try to do it anonymously. But in this case, I've just been so pained when I you know I see a headline and it's a prayer request for me. I was called to donate the my full stipend to a uh, my favorite charity, which is actually Doctors Without Borders. And because of the great work that they're doing all over the world and in the places where it's needed most during this pandemic. So, and I just, it's such a great feeling to be able to help in some way. And I I know that perhaps uh, a lot of us feel like we desperately need that stipend money to pay our rent or pay for food. And I honor that, you know, and I, and I always just, I just want to encourage anyone uh, listening to this anywhere, you know, if there's a way that, that you can help someone else, that's really the way, it's been the way for me to feel perhaps less guilt, but, but just better about who I am and what I'm doing in the world, my, my life's purpose. So again, I, I don't say that to, to glorify, you know, what I did, but, but really as an encouragement for others to feel better about themselves is to find some place to give your time, your talent, your treasure. And then in terms of centers for spiritual living, I recognize that there are many paths to God and and I certainly respect all paths to God and and would encourage people, you know, if they don't have, uh, if they're they're seeking to just go to csl.org and and find a, a center for spiritual living near you and, and connect. Yeah, and if you're in Washington, D.C., go see Alex. I'd love that. I'd love that. (laughs) Well, it just makes sense that you would do something selfless as part of your opportunity to promote whatever because you're just such a giving, loving person, and I just so appreciate you, and I just, I feel warm inside whenever I speak with you or see you, so thank you for being with us today on Mystic Magic. Likewise, and you're one of my favorite people, too. God bless you. This is Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. I see what you look like as you sit in your chair. Can't imagine what it feels like because I'm not there. But I'm loving you and being here, freeing you to love me and breathe new air lifting you and holding you in my heart and hands, knowing you and comforting you through your fear. 
Though your doubt and worry comes and goes, know that all the while, God is loving you. Know that all the while, as I smile, I am God's courier, here to deliver the message. I am God's child, to touch you in its stead. Touch your hand, touch your heart, hold your hand, kiss your head, tell you a story, sing you a song, dance you a dance, poem you a poem, dazzle you, gaze upon your face. Looking in the mirror, I see you. Do you see me? That poem is You and I. In the book, In Spirit, In Love, which can be found on Amazon.com, it's written by Celeste A. Frazier. Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Celeste A. Frazier, and this is Mystic Magic. We'll be back next week when the topic will be science, service, and spiritual leadership. And our guest will be my dear friend, Reverend Mary Beth Spear. Please see our show notes for further information about today's topics at mysticmagic.buzzsprout.com. Please leave a review if you would. And for more podcasts, please subscribe. If this episode has been good for you, feel free to support the show. You can find Mystic Magic also at Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and other great podcast venues. This is Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. <laughs>